0: and all that is within me, bless his holy name. It's truly good to be in the house of God today. And if you're glad to be here in the spirit of holiness, let me hear you just say, Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we ask that you will speak to our hearts for these next few moments. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. It was just about a week ago this past Sunday morning, early in the wee hours of the morning, that a tragic accident took place in Cala on the 10 freeway, about 5 to 10 minutes from my home. I didn't know it at the time, but God would allow my life to intersect in some way with the family of this young man who lost his life, 21 years old. His name was Jamarius, Jamarius. During this past week, Pastor Joel and I were blessed to meet and minister to his wonderful family during this crisis situation. You see, Jamarius Jamarius was traveling from Louisiana to come and see the sights and scenes of, of California. But his life was tragically ended there last Sunday morning. His dear grandmother and his three aunts flew out here to take him back home to his final resting place. Now, Pastor Joel and I thought that we were there to bless them. But I can't tell you how blessed we've been by their loving spirit, by their strength, and by their compassion. In the midst of what must be unspeakable pain, Even though Jamarius lost his life in that accident, he was able to save the lives of others as an organ donor, a decision he made at just 16 years of age. And his precious family said that it brings them great comfort to know that Jamarius's organs could be saved to serve. And this morning, his precious family this is the first time being here in the loma linda community they're actually visiting here with us right here today in this worship service just wave your hands over there if you would family wave your hands let's give the round of applause and support there's his beloved grandmother his three aunts adrian monita and carla and i know you all have told Pastor Joel and me, that we're your family now. But we want you to look around and see that this is your family now. Someone say amen. And our prayers, our prayers will go with you. Saints, one of my favorite songs is Love Lifted Me. You know the lyrics. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters, he lifted me. Now safe am I love lifted me. The song says love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me all my heart to him. I give ever to him. I'll cling in his blessed presence live ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service too, to him belongs. You know, those lyrics represent the situation that God found each one of us in, drowning in a sea of sin. Of course, I know we don't look quite that way now because this morning and today we're all sophisticated well-dressed, well-educated, well-groomed, and spiritually mature. But if we're honest with ourselves, we must admit that somewhere along the way, God found us, grabbed us, reached for us, brought us up, cleaned us up, and gave us hope and a purpose for our lives. We have been saved to serve. Now, somebody's probably saying, well, preacher, this really doesn't apply to me because you may not know, but I'm a second or third generation of Seventh-day Adventist. I was born into this truth. I was born holy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm even vegan. <laughs> well, the only problem with that line of thinking is that it ignores some powerful and declarative scriptures. First John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It ignores Psalms 55, 51, 5, where it says, Surely I was, this is David speaking, Surely I was sinful at birth from the time my mother conceived me. And then Brother Paul says in Romans 3:23, For all have sinned, how many did he say? All, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Someone say amen if you believe that this morning. The scripture that best captures for me the human condition before our divine rescue is found in Psalms 40, verses 1 through 3 that you just heard. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. I say again, we have been saved to serve. Brothers and sisters, I declare to you today, that God is in the business of saving or transforming the lives of people who in return reach out to save others. God is in the business of saving or transforming the lives of people who in return reach out to serve others. When we read about the life of Jesus in the Bible, we see an extraordinary thing. Everywhere Jesus went, Lives were transformed. Remember Peter, Andrew, James, Philip, and John were ordinary fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Paul was a Jesus hater. John the Baptist was a nomad. One man was a leper. A little girl was demon-possessed. Another was lame, yet another was blind. And Brother Thomas, he was known as a doubter. But after their encounter with Jesus, they were no longer the same because their lives were transformed. Paul went from Jesus hater to Jesus lover. John went from being a nomad to being on a mission. Peter went from hot-headed fisherman to passionate disciple. The lame walked, the blind saw, the unclean leper was healed and cleaned, and doubting Thomas, he became a believer. Praise the Lord. You know, it's interesting to note that none of these encounters with Christ happened in a beautiful church building like ours today. As these people's lives were transformed, they became witnesses to Christ. And after Christ departed, he left them his spirit. When his spirit indwelt them, they became the body of Christ. As the body of Christ, together they formed the church. You know, some of us have forgotten that the church, the real church is meant to exist outside of these beautiful walls we have here today, outside of this physical structure by serving others and by being a means of God's grace to those in need. If there's one thing this pandemic has taught me, it is this, we do not have to be inside this building to have church, someone say amen. And we do not have to be in this building to transform lives. Sometimes we in the church have been guilty of assuming that we are a landmark for sightseers. Come and see our worship. Come and see our savior. Come and see all of our great deep and intellectual people. Come and see our state of the art sights and sounds in our church. Someone once said, we are called to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. The reality is, brothers and sisters today, the reality is most people are not even converted in the church. More prayers of salvation are said in a home, in a car, or on a prayer line than in a church building. Two of the main reasons the unchurched, remain unchurched, is that number one, either they consider the church irrelevant, meaning it does not speak to what's happening in their lives, or number two, they mistakenly think that the church is only for insiders. So instead of being critical of our friends and our family who don't worship God, we need to realize why the church may not be as contagious as it should be. We forget that we were saved to serve, not saved to observe or saved to be served. We may not realize we're doing it, and we certainly do not want to keep others from getting in and hearing this great truth, but we have not done what the Bible tells us to do, which is really simplistic in nature and not difficult at all. We are commissioned by God to go out to seek and save the lost. Someone say, man, if you believe that. If the unchurched are going to know that the church is relevant and that there are no outsiders, then the church will have to go out and seek the lost. You know, this principle is rather ironic in the first place because the Bible never employs the word church to describe a building like this. The word church in the Bible never refers to brick and mortar, wood, nails, lighting, chandeliers, and decorations. In Scripture, church refers to the community of believers. It refers to people, not a place. The first church buildings were not even constructed until the church had been in existence for some three to 400 years. When the New Testament was written, there was no such thing as a church building. Now, evangelism is what? Sharing the good news about Jesus. Now, of course, we can evangelize in buildings and praise God that we do. But in the New Testament, no one ever came to Christ inside of a church building. No one was ever evangelized inside a church building. Why? Because they didn't exist. People made faith commitments to Christ in jail cells, in their homes, out on the fields, out on the roads. One man, as you remember, came in his chariot. One woman came to faith in Christ standing beside a well. People decided to follow Christ at work, in the courtyards, and on the mountainside. The church has been sent by Jesus' friends to go out and let other men know about the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a simple instruction given by Jesus over and over again in the New Testament. The church, I tell you today, is most effective when we follow Jesus and seek to be a servant in our communities. We should be helping to feed the poor, share the love of Jesus, and be a means of His grace to everyone we come in contact with. By building new relationships and modeling God's love as disciples of Jesus Christ, we do not just do church, rather we become the church. We must be emotionally, physically, and spiritually ready when we reach out. That's the reason we come to church. The church building provides a central location for us to gather together in worship of God which helps us grow spiritually and emotionally. The praying together strengthens us. The church, you know, um, it, it's like a, a football team in a huddle, preparing and strategizing, but the game is out on the field. Now, no one here today would be happy if they paid hundreds of dollars to go to a football game of their favorite team, and all they did was stay in the huddle the whole time. You want them to get out on the field and play the game or you say, give me back my money. The communities that we are called to serve are looking for genuine transformation. They're not looking for feel-good platitudes. They're asking difficult questions. They're asking, where is God when we suffer police brutality in the streets? They're asking, where is God when children are living in poverty? Where is God when four million have died worldwide of COVID and 600,000 in the US alone? They're asking, where is God apparent in my life? Where is the church, they say, when hurricanes and tornadoes rip through our cities and our communities? Where is the voice of the church on issues of injustice, homelessness, classism? racism, ageism, sexism. My brothers and sisters, we may not be able to answer all of their whys, but when we are there at the point of their need, we become the answer to their questions. We are there helping to rescue them from the flood, praying for the sick, Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, providing shelter for the homeless, offering the ministry of presence to a person or a family in crisis, helping bring comfort to someone whose loved one just died, tutoring a child, providing meals on wheels, speaking up for the voiceless. I tell you today today that quite often the healing of God comes through the people of God. In those moments of service, God is working through you and me. We're His hands, we're His feet, we're His eyes, we are His heart. This is what we do when we truly understand that we have been saved to serve. You know, I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church, the Loma Linda University Church, that takes seriously the Christian service to our community. There's our YouReach ministry, which touches the lives of countless hundreds in our community through its various entities. We have a new ministry starting soon at our church called Care. This ministry will provide loving and ongoing care to persons and families who are grieving the death of a loved one. We have the Charlotte Connection, a ministry which provides spiritual care to those who are lonely. That's what Outreach ministry looks like. Someone say, amen. amen. Friends of mine, today, God wants to do a new thing through His people. God wants to do a new thing through you and me. And like the military, He's looking for a few good men or a few good women who will take up the challenge to do great exploits for the kingdom by reaching out to serve humanity. You know, my mother always says that she would rather see a sermon any day than hear one. Personally, I grasp concepts much better by seeing practical examples than just hearing theoretical postulations. In light of that reality, I've invited a friend of mine, Sister Ash Reynolds, to briefly share how God inspired her to start a ministry called Read and Feed Belize. Thank you so much, Sister Ash, for being with us today. We're so delighted that you're here with us. Now, I understand that professionally you are a marriage and family therapist, but God has laid on your heart a particular ministry. What exactly is Read and Feed Belize?
1: Read and Feed Belize is a nonprofit organization, and we strive to deliver health, wellness, quality education, and religious activities to needy children and the elderly in Belize.
0: Wow, so so what prompted you to start a ministry like that so far away in Belize?
1: Well, my grandmother, Emma Reynolds, she founded Carmelita Village, and it's a great place. I hope you can come one day. But there, there was a lot of need. Um, one time the electricity went out and that included the water. So my cousins and I decided to do an event for the children in the village. And when I saw the kids, there was a big need for clothing, shoes, and a lot of kids um, were malnourished.
0: Wow, so when you saw this need, something in you said, I have got to do something about it, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, now, let me ask you, when you got started, was everything in place? I mean, all the money you needed, all of the resources, all of the support?
1: Not at all. However, Jesus does guide and he definitely provides. And the amazing thing is, after one trip, I came back and I said, I have to get these kids reading materials. So I sent mass emails to different churches and Loma Linda University Church. This church? This church. Wow, praise the Lord. was the first church that said that they would give Sabbath school lessons. hmm long story short imagine i get to Belize and there's all these sabbath school lessons there's school supplies crayons and there's this man at customs and he looks he sees the lessons he's like are you a jehovah's witness and i said no but i am a witness for jehovah amen amen <laughs> and then he let me go through
0: praise the lord praise the lord you know When I've looked at your website from time to time, readandfeedbelieves.org, I have been impressed so much by how God is using you to um, feed those who are hungry, the kids who are hungry, um, to um, 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 provide clothing, provide food. It's just amazing. Now, I'm sure somewhere along the way, you have um, um, had reason to be discouraged or to be depressed um, or you face some challenges. How in the world do you keep focused?
1: Um, I focus on Christ's love for me, my love for Him, and definitely the kids.
0: Wow. So you're saying as long as you keep your focus on Jesus Christ and the purpose that He has anointed you to be there, then nothing can deter you, right? That's right. Bless the Lord, have mercy, hallelujah. Now, you know, Sister Ash, I'm sure, I'm sure that there are people watching right here now, or people online watching other parts of the world who say, God has given me something in my spirit to do for Him great. But... They haven't done it because fear, lack of money, lack of resources, lack of support, the haters, you know, all of, these, <laughs> all of these things kind of stop people in their tracks. What would you say to them right now?
1: I would say, just do it. Mm -hmm. Plan, pray, and go, and let's remember that our Bible is our culture, and we could follow the example of Jesus, and the Bible says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Let's give a round of applause (laughs) to Sister Ash for that wonderful testimony. (laughs) Have mercy. Wow. We hope that inspires someone to go and do great things for Christ. You know, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. The question each of us must ponder today is this, what can I personally do as a disciple of Christ to be an agent of change in my community? What can I do to alleviate suffering in the sphere of my influence? Realizing that I have been saved to serve, how can I best serve those in need? You know, this week, we invite you to participate in our Live Out Challenge. And the challenge is this: volunteer in an outreach ministry in your local church or your local area, or ask God to inspire you, as He did Sister Ash, to create a new ministry for His glory. Prayerfully choose a ministry that you are passionate about, and make note of how serving others truly, truly blesses you. Friends of mine, when Jesus returns to take us home, it is my sincere prayer that we will hear the words that Jesus himself spoke in Matthew 25, 34, where he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the creation of the world. But I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we do these things for you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it, To one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it unto me. Let us always remember that we have been saved. We have been saved to serve.
2: my Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart.
0: Father in heaven, we've heard your voice. We ask that you will help us to be more like you in our hearts. Show us how we can reach out to someone and let them feel the love of Jesus that you have given us today. This is our prayer in the blessed name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen.